Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and uh, with me as always to talk about the myriad of things uh, that have happened in the world of women's cycling in the last couple of weeks is my dear friend Sarah. Hi Sarah. Hello Dan, how are you? I'm doing all right, mate. I'm a bit tired, but um, you know that's that's only from uh, an exciting rock and roll style life of of hard drinking, hard loving, and hard fighting. So you know, all good, all good. How about you? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So yes, this week we we missed last week's show, didn't we? We 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 did. We did. Well, look. To be honest. Um, over the course of a whole year, you know, every now and then you just need to take a little little bit of time off. And what happened is actually Sarah and I got together last week with every intention of um, of recording a, uh, a podcast. Um, and instead we got to chatting. <laughs> and, and as you may have noticed, dear friends, um, once we get going, we can be hard to stop. And so, you know, our night kind of passed away and, and we missed our window. <laughs> so... <laughs> we'll we'll try to do a little better tonight. I mean, at least we've remembered to press record this time around. Woohoo! Yeah, um, so we've got a lot to talk about this week. We've had so much racing. We'll we'll tell you about the racing that we missed. Uh, we've got the Maribel uh, Mountain Bike World Cup, which was the last round of the Mountain Bike World Cup. We've got the Trophée de Suède Vergora and the the Trophée d'Or and all sorts of things like that. I mean, it's a bit of a hard week, to be honest. I don't really know how to start it because at the same time as all this amazing racing we also had a really bad news from from maribel where the young dutch rider anna fleur kalvenhaar died in a after crashing in the in the um qualification round of the elimination world mm. cup yeah and it's it's kind of a hard thing to because it's been like this 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 shadow i guess over the whole 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 week because it's a very cycling's a very small world, and it's like these aren't people you know. As a fan, it's like it's not people you know. But you know, Anna Fleur won the first ever um, under twenty three women's cyclocross European Championship last year, for example. And yeah, but for the riders, I think it's been very hard because it is a very you know it is a very small world. Everyone's been on training camps with everyone else, and you know, although Anna Fleur was a mountain biker and cyclocross rider, there's a lot of crossover there. Yeah, no. yeah, absolutely, and and you bump into each other at, at different functions and events and and things anyway. Um, so yeah, as you say, it's it's a it's a reasonably small community, and um, you know I, I think particularly we're always you know shocked by training accidents and things like that that happen. But I think you know an in competition injury. Um, is is in many ways even more difficult because it just highlights again the the sorts of risks that that are inherent in a sport that we love. Yeah, and you know it's not even something where you can say, "Oh, that was a dangerous course" or something. It's just it is what it is. So, mm. you know, our, we just wanted to start by saying that you know our thoughts are with the friends and family of Anna Fleur Calvenhaar and everyone who knew her, and you know, just stay safe, people. You know, mm. it's it's mm. it's. You know, it's 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 tragic, and yeah, and yeah. Indeed. Um, but I guess I guess we can we can rewind slightly further and go back and and talk through some of the uh, the racing that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Um, and yeah. I was actually hoping you could help me out a bit here because 
there were a couple of things that, like, um, I didn't get to see much of, but I was actually impressed by what I did see of the ladies' tour of Norway because it looked like there was actually quite a bit of coverage of that race. Yeah, I mean, last 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 week there were two races um, that, that that went on, and one was the Route de France and. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, French people. The French races are really frustrating me this year. You know, like I mean, apart from the GP, the, the, there's a couple of notable exceptions, like the GP de Plouay, and it's weird because at the same time, Maribel is in France, the the final yep. mountain bike world cup, and that just has extraordinary coverage. Of, of course, it does. It's mountain bike, um, but yeah. Uh, so the Route de France was there. Um, happened. It was a really long race, like a whole week long race, um, won by Claudia Lichtenberg, aka Claudia Hauschler, um, of Liv Shimano, who she um, had won the first stage and then she had been very clever in the sprints. Every All the stages were a sprint. Um, you know, with, when it was won from a sprint breakaway, she was up in the breakaway and then she and then she was third on the final stage, which won by Iris Slappendale and won the whole race. You know, very good racing by Lichtenberg. Congratulations. Cool. But very interesting because at the same time we've got like a choir and, and Route de France do a really good job. They have a live ticker, they have a live Twitter account. It's just you can't, you know, there's, there's kind of if you're not watching it as it happens, you can go back and like, you know, in French look through the what happened on the day. Yep, yep. But it's yeah, it's it's yeah. So Route de France. Um, but at the same time, the ladies' tour of Norway. Now, this was on at the same time as the men's Arctic tour of Norway, although they're different different races. Um, three now, stages. Can, can I tell you my favourite thing? And and it's it's not necessarily um, directly related to race results, but my favourite single thing that I saw out of this in in the midst of catching glimpses, mostly via Twitter, I have to admit, um, was I saw an awesome tweet by Valet Scandalara. Um, of the TV um, showing the women's racing as the main part of the screen and the men as the small picture box in the corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, they, yes. Yeah, they showed, I mean, it's Norway. As um, I think Cosmo Catalano pointed out in the week in bike, they've got like, you know, uh, incredibly good equality laws over there. Like mm, you know, 40% mm. of company directors have to be women, that kind of thing. They've got like some of the best childcare in the world. They've got like, you know, there's, 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 they're basically going, yeah, you know what? Let's be great. Let's be a great country. It's Scandinavia. <laughs> well, of course it is. Um, and yeah, so they had, so it was interesting. I mean, it was a great race. It was, it basically reminded me of the GPLC Jacobs, the Festival Luxembourgeois LC Jacobs, because you have, you start with a very short prologue and then you have two road stages. Yep. And this is a really interesting way to start off. It's the first time it's ever happened. And they had you know twenty five minute video for you know covering stage one and stage two uh, st- sorry prologue and stage one and then you know twenty five minutes covering stage two, um, hilly, rainy. There was all sorts of fun things. If you like podium boys, I've got to say. <laughs> oh um, yes, that was that was the other one, wasn't it? Um, Emma Johansson had that that amazing. Even I can say that was an amazing photo. <laughs> Emma Johansson did have a picture of herself standing by some seven-foot-tall Norwegian young... Yeah, I, look, the only way to describe him is Nordic God. Yeah, and, um, and, and it was, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, 
it's interesting, isn't it? Personally, I don't see, you know, personally, I think that podium boys are, I, I just don't see the need for podium yeah, for people yeah. duration is my bottom line on it. But, you know, it was quite quite comedy to see like podium boys in half uniform, half jeans. And, you know, Emma Johansson won the, step, won the jersey on stage one, which was the half Swedish, half Norwegian jersey, because they crossed into the border into Sweden. And I think yeah. she might have the, you know, I don't know, sprint for the first ride to get into sp or Sweden or whatever. And she just like tweeted that it was quite appropriate because she's a Swede who lives in Norway. So, yeah, well, there you go. So, but you know, and, and I don't know people who aren't familiar with Scandinavians, the Swedes, <laughs> they, they, all, they all just, they all like, just yeah. imagine them as siblings. <laughs> well, let, let me, let me explain it. If you live in uh, North America, it's basically the US and Canada. If you live in the UK, it's basically England and everyone else. Um, if you live in the Antipodes, it's Australia and New Zealand. Um, except, that's that's except how Sweden and Norway work. No, except the thing is, is both Sweden and Norway think that they're the USA, England, <laughs> Australia, and the other ones, like the younger brother. <laughs> and, you know, so, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, Sarah, here's, here's a shock surprise. I know you're English, and it may may actually not be something that you're aware of, but so does everyone else. <laughs> everyone, everyone always thinks their country's the big brother. <laughs> yes, that's what I said. That's what I just said. That's what you said about Sweden and Norway. I'm saying it also applies to you and Scotland and Ireland and Wales and, you know, Yorkshire and Cornwall and wherever else. Oh, come on, come on. Talk, talk. Tell, tell, me, tell me more about Great Britain. Name some more countries in, in the United Kingdom. Um, Cumberland. <laughs> <laughs> You're now going to go down types of sausage you've heard of, haven't you? <laughs> Stilton. <laughs> Cheddar. No, so, yeah, so um, the lovely, lovely ladies tour of Norway, incredibly raining, hard racing, hard racing. Um, the prologue won by Mariana Voss, 2.7 kilometres, um, ahead of Lisa Brunauer and her teammate, Annemiek van Vlerten. And stage one won by Marianne Voss. And no, yes, no, damn it. Stage one won by Anna van der Breggen, sorry. Uh, stage two won by Marianne Voss. Anna van der Breggen wins the whole of the um, race. And it was basically one of those races where it's Anna van der Breggen, Marianne Voss, Katarzyna, Kasia, Neodoma. Okay. Because of course it is. Um, yeah, it was. But, and then... What's interesting about it is the calendar's divided up into pretty much there's 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 almost like little mini seasons within the calendar, and it's yep. not so much now, but it was much more noticeable before a whole load of races were lost. So we used to have a mini Spanish season, which was GP Valladolid, Durango Durango, and Macamín Bira, and then you'd go across to a I don't know a North American season where you'd have the Philly Classic, the Tour of Prince Edward Island, the Tour uh, GP Montreal, etc. etc. So this has the makings of a mini Scandinavian season. Because if the Ladies Tour of Norway extends next year, for example, it's the perfect, it then leads perfectly into the Open to Sweden Vagoda. It does, it does. And you know full well my pet theory that the, the best way to build a women's stage race is just to add a day at a time. That's what Energy Walk Tour are doing for yeah, next year. Yeah. Oh my God, I love them. But yes, um, so you end up with, uh, yes, so, so basically... 
people just nipped across the border and did a ton of team time trial training in the rain in Sweden and went straight into and then had a couple of days off before the open to sweat of the Gorda. And holy moly, is the open to sweat the Gorda just fucking amazing. You know, Vigorda's one of those tiny towns in the middle of nowhere. Actually, also like the Festival Luxembourg, um, Elsie Jacobs. I mean, Elsie Jacobs, sorry. It's, it's, it's weird because the, the Elsie, Elsie Jacobs is there because in, where it's randomly in these like little villages because Elsie Jacobs came from one of those villages. And um, GP Nick Franz, Nick, Nicholas Franz, I think he won the Tour de France, Luxembourg, um, cyclist. So, you know, you kind of have the, and that's why the Gord is there. It's like this random little small, just, just like tiny place in the middle of nowhere in the Swedish countryside. And they have the two World Cups in three days. Yeah. And if you go out there, a giant mass participation ride and lots of fun, uh, albeit this year in incredibly bad weather. It, it was actually the worst weather I've seen um, for, for this particular race. Yeah, and we've yeah. seen some, and it does tend to rain a lot. So you start out with a team time trial. Indeed, uh, um, which we love because uh, two reasons. You don't get to see a lot of team time trials on the calendar, but also because it's kind of like the, the perfect prep and, and form indicator heading into Worlds. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's literally been only one other team time trial this season so far at the Energy Water Tour in uh, in which is the first European stage race of the season, yeah. which was in spring, and that's only fourteen kilometers. And this is forty-two kilometers. It's a course they're all familiar with. Basically, you ride out from Vogorda to Herlunga, and you ride out. You know, the the wind is phenomenal, so you ride out this kind of slightly lumpy but mostly flat straight line out. Ride back on the same road, and then you ride over the eleven-kilometer course that's basically the same loop that's used in the road race. Yep. And that's got a hill and some very tech and some technical corners in it. So it's kind of like um, so it's an interesting course. So it's it's basically got a bit of everything. And what it has a lot of is wind. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And I was I um I interviewed Christy Scrimgeour, the boss of Specialized Lululemon, about this, and um I was talking about their time. And she said, "Oh yeah, we were helped by the we had a tailwind going out." But of course, when you have a tailwind going out, <laughs> yeah. that also means a headwind coming back. Yes, yes, exactly. So and, unless unless you're magically able to turn the wind with you or something. Yes. Now I really recommend if you haven't seen it already, um back in 2010, I think, um yeah. The Cervelo test team, I'm so sad they've stopped, made a video, one of their Beyond the Peloton videos following their their women's team at the at Vogorda time trial, which team time trial, which they won that year. And it's a really interesting insight into what it's like riding a team time trial, known for the classic line of from Kristen, Kirsten Veeld of Emma Pooley, she's not much help in a team time trial. You don't want to be behind her. <laughs> yeah, you might accidentally run over her. Basically, <laughs> basically there's, there's no, there's definitely in a headwind. There is no wind protection at all. Just none. No, it probably just makes it worse, doesn't it? The wind yeah. probably just like, glides over her and then it hits you in the, you know, it hits you in the face. It's, it's, it's like it's probably yeah. like yeah. the worst thing you have. So I recommend if you want to know what it's like to ride that TTT, then then just look up beyond the peloton beyond the peloton beyond the pelican jesus beyond the peloton <laughs> the gorda yes and i genuinely thought so Cervelo won it for the first three years it ran 
Then for the next three years, it was won by Specialized Lululemon, um, firstly in the incarnation of HTC High Road and then as Spec Lulu. And I genuinely thought this, this I, you know, so some people go, oh, two time trial, boring, Spec Lulu wins all the time. But having seen how much training Bowles Dolmans and Rabo and Orica had been putting in, I was really wondering, is this the year they're going to lose it? Yeah, yeah, well, and particularly because, you know, I mean, as we've noted before, team, well, I guess rider movements in the off-season, um, you know, meant that Specialised, at least on paper, didn't have the same, like, obviously dominant team time trial team uh, or roster to, to call on as they've had in previous years. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and so it did make it seem like it was going to be more open. Um, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Rabo have been very, very vocal about this. And Marina Voss said at the start of the year, her ambition was to win three, because Marina Voss, nothing if not ambitious. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, she's never known to aim high. <laughs> <laughs> at all i just want to win you know cyclocross mountain bike and road everything yeah. you know? well th- this year her plan was that she wanted to win three world championships titles the um cyclocross road and ttt and i love that you know i love that that's a really ambitious thing to say and i love that Mm. It, it, it it it's like if you and they put out some they put out some couple of TTT training videos of them at Pontferrada in Spain going out to check it out on that course and at here and and in Vigorda in the week before they were they were really like saying we're gonna we we want to we we want to try this and that's you know that's that's fantastic and then Oraka have been you know their pictures of their riders trying to outride the rain in the TTT training. Yeah, yeah, um, and and with those sort of looming thunderous clouds in the background and stuff, a very very yeah. cool sort of evocative kind of um, pictures. Yeah, yeah. Huge grins on their faces. Yeah, I love. I love. Actually, that. be a great photo for a, a calendar. We should um, we should see if we can get rights to that. <laughs> what the Sarah and Dan ridiculous photos of the year calendar? Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean. Hell, it's not like stompity stompity stomp isn't selling. It's it, thank you, thank you to everyone who's who's purchased that. Um, by the way, <laughs> so let's. Yeah, it, it, I, I feel embarrassed. I actually genuinely feel embarrassed saying this, but thank you, everyone who's bought merchandise for from us. Thank you, and if you want to see what ridiculous um, merchandise is possible to buy with um, catchphrases from your favourite women's cycling podcast you can go to our redbubble.com where we are pro women's psych CYC psych um, or, yeah, uh, or or link, there's a link to it on our blog which Sarah what's the URL for that again prowomenscycling.com really are you sure I don't think that's how you pronounce it it's prowomencycling.com. No, I don't think that's how it's pronounced. I think it's more prowomencycling.com. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, if you'd like to go see our merchandise, go and have a look. Um, I got distracted. <laughs> oh, yes, calendars, photos. I see, yes. Um, so the TTT started, and because it goes off in the order of which teams are doing best in the World Cup, it meant that they. It meant that specialized started. I think fourth from the end, yep. fourth or fifth from the end. So no, maybe yeah, maybe 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 fifth from the end, and with four four teams to go after them. And Orica started before them. So you're looking at Orica's times, and Orica just smashed everyone else's times. Like, rah, you know, 
dominant, just crash, crash. And then Specialized Lulu come through and it's like, just, just stomping, stomping, jumping, stomping, crashing, exploding, insert your <laughs> metaphor here, just, just. Exploding. <laughs> okay. And they're just blasting, um, blasted through it. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty good at the first checkpoint, isn't it? Mm. And waiting and waiting, because the thing is, is this wasn't live, but the wonderful people at cyclesport.se, the the, the Swedish, um, you know, Swedish uh, cycling um, our website, I guess, um, they had a live ticker. Um, which was basically putting the times up at, as you know, at, like live live uploading with the times. You know, oh my goodness! So yeah, so after the first checkpoint, okay, yeah, specialized Lululemon have definitely got it. Yeah. So it was Spec Lulu, Rabo second, Orica third, and then at the second checkpoint. So that's on the that's on the tailwind section. On the second checkpoint, after the headwind section, either Orica had faded or Bowles Dolmans had really stepped up because Bowles were now in third place. And yeah, I mean Spec Lulu, they just they just destroyed it. They had they had the fastest. It's it's been the same or a very very similar course forever, and they had the fastest course time, even though the rain was incredibly bad you know just like any advantage of a headwind you know like we say any advantage of a tailwind completely just oh god it was beautiful riding in awful conditions and yeah they just they just had it they had it so to, to anyone who had dared to doubt the uh the power of the the specialized little lemon team Me. time trial me, I did. Yeah, I my yeah. But in. also, um, you know, it was actually a really, really good um, win in terms of timing for the team as well. And we'll, we'll probably touch on this in a little more detail um, in a little while. But, you know, as we've mentioned previously, um, Specialized have a fundraising campaign on at the moment for uh, the team because they're trying to secure and lock down sponsorship for next year. And um, one of the things that they're trying is a, is a crowdfunded fundraising campaign called project x um and we'll include a link for that of course um so it, it's always it's always good to have a, a significant win under the team's belt when you're when you're meeting potential sponsors and trying to raise a bit of money doesn't yeah, hurt to have I, a I, have a world cup there yeah i got to admit this 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 fundraising campaign lasts for a month and it included the vigorda the Vigoda weekend, and I, I don't think that was an accident. <laughs> no, no, you really, really, you think, you think, um, you think Christy Scrimjaw is uh, sneaky enough and cunning enough that she planned it that way? Really? You know, I one of the things I did this weekend, this week, was I interviewed Christy Scrimjaw about this about project x and she's amazing i mean christy's this fantastic person she starts she's australian start, based in the usa started off as a cyclist herself rode for the saturn team in the usa for a couple of for a couple of seasons and then she was um you know go, oh right okay my cycling career is over i'll go home to oz but she didn't she stayed and she was joined cycling news when it was just starting out so she was like at the vanguard of um of of internet journalism cycling journalism online and then she moved from being a journalist to joining hdc high road and um for, on the women's side and then you know bob stapleton was like no no come and join us and be pr manager for the men's side too and there she was like at the vanguard of of being of how teams engaged on social media indeed 
I mean, remember remember the times when HTC, bless their hearts, it really actually felt like every rider was given, you know, a, the ultimate smartphone, la, 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 except for Cav. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's true. That's just how it felt. And um, because at the time, <laughs> it was fantastic. No, sorry, Cav, we've lost yours. <laughs> sorry, Cav. That's, that's actually, you remember, you remember the, his first stage win at the tour that year where he zipped up the jersey and, and made the call me maybe kind of sign at his ear and was pointing to the sponsor logo because yeah. what he was actually saying was where's my fucking phone so yeah no no yeah. no cab your your phone yeah yeah you know that these phones they only start working half an hour after the stage is over oh oh shit wow that's crazy <laughs> Wow, that's, that's that's what I do. Bless his heart. Well, oh, you know, Kat, I, just... Laura, I apologise. Um, as as a uh, you know a resident of the Isle, I I can say Sarah's views don't reflect the views of everyone on this podcast and the Isle. Who's of... Laura? Laura Moo, our our Isle of Man listener, who you've now oh. righteously offended and upset. No, I, it's because I think of her as Moola. So anyway, no, it's not about Isle of Manish people, Manx people. Sorry. Um, it's about Cab. It's 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 bless his heart. He's a little bit. Um, he says what he thinks when you when you yeah, straight after a race. Yeah, it's called being a sprinter. <laughs> and that's why his and that's why his phone mysteriously does. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. So so Christy, she ran the PR and media strategy for HTC High Road, and then when the men's team folded, took on the women's side as specialized lululemon and so she she knows so it's, it's kind of i said this in my interview with her which you can listen to on pro womenscycling.com um that it feels like a natural kind of it feels very natural that she's like you know she's she's been at the forefront of this of, of online stuff for years in cycling so yeah um you should listen to the interview i think it's really in, i think it's really interesting what she's saying about yeah we're not trying to fund we're not trying to fund the whole team just through the crowds funding. What we're trying to do is a build community, b build awareness that we need the money, um, you know, and 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 it's just and you know joining people into the conversation, starting conversation. Oh, absolutely! Look, one of the things that we've talked about before, and and that I've harped on about, um, particularly from the online side of things, is that it helps demonstrate an audience and. It's one of the biggest challenges in front of women's cycling teams in particular is that because there is so little TV coverage, there, there isn't broadcast numbers to rely on. Because there is so little mainstream press coverage, there isn't circulation numbers to rely on. Um, so the one thing that they do have is this this combined social reach of a network and then a platform like this where they can go actually you know what we ran this campaign and it was seen by x number of people and this many people signed up for it and this many people looked at it or, or tweeted it or shared it on facebook or liked it or, or whatever the fuck and it actually gives them something to work from and to, to yeah. say to a sponsor well we know this many people give a shit about what happens to us so yeah you know, yeah 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 yeah. Yes, and it's and it's and it's kind of like um, the other thing about it is, you know, um, our friends, our friend Megster um, on Twitter, she's personally giving the money to enable equal equal prize money for um, the women and the men. I think it's in the Green Mountain Stage Race in the states, mm. which is such a wonderful thing to do. And we've talked before about our friend Calvin. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Supporting, supporting, you know, put, literally putting his company's money where his mouth is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And supporting a and supporting a team and and 
and and and I, you know that's fantastic and amazing and and, and, and it, it is those stories that are just truly incredible and and people who who actively look for ways to to give more than they will ever ever get you know um yeah. is is I mean, just so inspiring it's so fantastic and you know you know megs are saying actually i'm gonna fund the equal prize pot that's fantastic mm. but you know if you don't at the moment i don't have the money to do that but knowing that i can put 25 quid into the specialized newly lemon fundraiser and it adds up and it also sends a message it's just that's just it it makes me feel like i can you know they're not they're not necessarily i mean i love you know i love all the teams they're all my favorite teams you know that but you know even it, it's like it's not it's just it makes me feel good you know it makes me feel happy and um, I should say it's not the only cycling fundraiser out there at the moment. There's also Vanderkitten, the um, American team, are very, very fun, fan, fan, engaging yes. team. Are also crowdsourcing to run a cyclocross team again, and uh, the cyclist, the hand cyclist, um, who Karen Dark, who's uh, um, about to go for the go for hand cycling road titles at the paris paracycling road world championships this weekend she's got a crowdfunding thing to make a small film about called impossible because she often has been asked about you know when she she was paralyzed in a climbing accident from you know from the waist down and how she gets through and she's done these incredible things since then like she's she's hand cycled across the himalayas or think you know things like yeah, that she's just, yeah. just amazing shit yeah and she's always asked, how do you overcome, how do you overcome adversity? And so she's wanting to make a short film about that. So she's crowdsourcing for that. And I don't know. I mean, you don't have to have a lot of money as what, you know, a, a lot of money, even just, even just sharing some of these things makes a real big difference and talking about them because yeah, yeah. like say, um, you know, Christy was saying it can be very hard to reach sponsors out because, you know, how do you demonstrate a return on investment within mm -hmm. something? cycling but yeah so these crowds well, and, and it's also easy for people to convince themselves that their number doesn't count that that your your opinion doesn't um isn't enough to add up to something meaningful but that's entirely untrue and it's very contextual you know we're we're talking a world in which um you know just shy of a hundred thousand virtual signatures forced a conversation with the uci and aso to get uh, a women's race on the champs Elysees in paris you know and and a broader conversation going about hang on why aren't there more why isn't there more institutional support for for women's racing and coverage mm -hmm. of women's races um, you know, so so you never know um, how much your your voice will matter, but you do know for sure that if you don't add it, it, it will it will certainly hurt. You know, it'll be missed. So um, by all means, even if all you can do is is put it on Twitter and share it on your Facebook, just do that because it helps. It genuinely helps. Yeah. And that's and that's what's exciting, you know. Like like what you know, you can look at it on the one hand of oh my god, you're having to hunt for sponsors again. Oh my god, this is tragic. And actually, one of the points is, and, and we we talked about this in my conversation that on the one hand, you know, I've had a couple of people say, oh, you know, we had people say, why were you so negative about the the Lacourse coverage? It was a great thing. We should only have celebrated it. And it's it's it's. It's like, well, no, actually, I, I want, you know, I want to celebrate it. That talking about what an amazing race it was and how great it was doesn't detract from the fact it was only, you know, it was only only like an hour and forty five minutes or whatever it was, and we only got to see like the last forty five minutes on TV. Like that's no, 
that's not a that's that's that is what it is and you know we need to kind of put it in the context of yes we've got the course yes we've got things like the friends life women's tour but you know we've also got poor route de france where they're you know they put out a statement in the middle of the race saying we are we you know basically saying the local tv stations ignore us nothing we can do can get them to cover us you know like like it, it, we're not we're not in the promised land yet. You know, no, no, goodness no. And and the thing is, you know, I think part of it is the the challenge to constantly push to progress. You know, um, none of this is gifted to us. It's not like if we meekly sit down and go, oh yay, we got our we got our one you know circuit race in Paris on TV. Um, let's all let let all fans of women cycling therefore be quiet forevermore. Um, is utter bullshit. That's not how you. It's not how you progress. It's not how you grow. And it's also not how we got the little bit that we already have. Exactly. And and I think that was one of the criticisms that I really didn't like about you know when when they put together the the the, the petition when it when um when Emma Pooley and Catherine Bettine started the the petition for La Course de la Tour de France, there was criticism of oh but this is so unfair on ASO and you've blindsided them and ASO came out and said oh this is this is terrible you've you've ambushed us you should. Have, you should have arranged a meeting with us and, and then we could have talked to you and said no and told you why it was so impossible. <laughs> but you know, social change and, and someone on someone on the internet actually genuinely suggested that 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 for example women's suffrage came about because of nice friendly conversations. And it's like I've no idea what country you're in, but in Britain women's suffrage came about came about it needed, was fucking so, protesting arrests yeah. like basically near riots quite often yes. it was it's it's called a fucking struggle for a reason people yeah and i'm not i'm and i'm not of course of course i'm not saying that you know getting a tour de france is anywhere near in the same context as getting the right to vote but struggle doesn't you know this idea that we should be meek and quiet and have a very good tone you know the mm -hmm. kind of tone police arguments is just bullshit yeah basically. well i mean i i copped a little bit and i mean obviously nothing quite as severe as you did but i i copped a little bit of the same sort of thing around la course because um i had a couple of people go up me on twitter and go oh why are you complaining you know th this is just the the coverage that's available internationally it's not the local broadcaster's fault and and yeah great but my response to that was yes but how are they going to know and tell aso i want more if i don't tell them i want more yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, shutting yeah, exactly. up doesn't actually. No one in the world wanders around going, "Are you okay, Sarah? Would you like to see more women cycling on TV? Because I can make that happen." You know, they don't ask you. They don't. It's not like it's just sitting there waiting for someone to turn the switch on and and suddenly everything's televised. You know, it's called supply and demand. We've got to demand before we get supply. So yeah, start and demanding. Is, yeah. Anyway. Mm. That was <sighs> a major diversion. Anyway, we're in the middle of the quarter. We're in the middle of the quarter. So we had a team time trial won by specialised Lululem. And as you say, you know, it's it's like it, it and it should be the time to ask the question, actually, is it right that this team that's dominated the event for the last for the last four years, you know, first team to win four years in a row and 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 in the context of every other team stepping up their game, you know, they won with a new course record in absolutely filthy weather. And Rabobank was second, Bolton was the third, and Araka fourth. And congratulations to Bigler in fifth. Oh, my mm. God, what a ride by the Bigler women, because they're a very small team. But, you know, this is in the context of people having worked really hard for this. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, but but you know, if if we're in a situation where Spec Lulu's not around next year, because 
because this team can't get money, you just you just have to you know it's important that we remember that we're not we are not in promised land yet. No. <sighs> so day off, Sunday. Oh my God! The entire race streamed from start to finish on the UCI YouTube. Now, which was, I mean, I know that I've been the naysayer the whole way, going, no, nope, no, nope, not going to believe it until it's actually on. You know, I've just, I've been hurt too many times before, but I have to give credit where it's due. I, I faithfully clicked through, fired up the stream, you know, about ten minutes ahead of time. And holy shit, not only was it ready from the official start time, the cameras were actually on and showing me the start line from 10 minutes before the official start time. And It was incredible. Now, I just want to say, put this in a little bit of context, this is fantastic that the UCI streamed it, but Vagorda have been, I've said this before, one of my favourite, favourite racers. What, they, what they've been doing is... This is the result of a couple. Of, this is a result of really hard work from this race. They started off with like a live ticker. They had this website, Vagoda.nu, which is just basically there just to just to cover the race. You know, it, it kind of powers into life just for the race week. You know, yeah. And yeah. then it kind of sits dormant for a year and powers into life. And you know, and they've had live, you know, live live updates on it. And for the last couple of years, they've been experimenting with homemade footage. Mm. So they'd have a radio, the local radio station covers the race with a proper famous Swedish commentator. And then they, then they kind of went, okay, well, we can put that on a stream and we'll have a fixed camera on the finish line. And when the riders come through the fixed camera on the finish line, because it's a lap race, 12 laps of 11 kilometer circuit, we'll show you the finish line. And yeah. then they kind of up that to, you know what? We can see if we can see if we can try to have a motorbike camera, which didn't work, bless them, but they tried a couple of years ago. And then last year, we'll have a camera on the climb. Yeah, yeah. So we had two fixed cameras, and and yeah, and and it yeah. didn't exactly work perfectly, but it was very, very charming. But it and so and it's one that we've talked about for the last couple of years about how it actually doesn't take that much to make it work because that little bit of video accompanied by a well-run ticker. Um, and you still got a good sense of the race, and you get this little bit of fun of watching them pass you at two different points on the course. Um, you know, and watching them attack up the hill. Yeah, yeah exactly. So just crazy. Yeah, so it was it was still like I mean, yeah, it's a classic case of it's far from perfect, but you can see the incremental growth, and so it's it's kind this, of exciting. And so this year, Swedish television channel they announced it about a month, a month and a half ago, and I think they announced it during the Giro actually. That the S, uh, sorry, I can't say it in Swedish, but S, SVT or STV, SVT, uh, SVT, I think it is, yeah, SVT. Um, we're going to stream it live now. Once, and this is the beauty of what the UCI are doing with this this year, which I'm. They've only just started doing it, but I think this is the Tracy Gordrian. I really think this is the Tracy Gordrian influence um, because. What they're doing is, if someone's streaming it already, they can get they can then negotiate to to, to show that stream themselves. Yeah. So they um so they so yeah so they they went to they 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 basically took the stream, uh, ran the same stream with um, commentary from Rochelle Gilmore, and I love Rochelle's commentary and Yosei Bean, and Rochelle is just the most incredible. Um, 
Well, I mean, it, it makes such a big difference to have someone who is a, a, a recent and, and sometimes still actual rider in the, the pro peloton who knows everyone quite well and can explain a hell of a lot of the detail. But the thing that I particularly love about Rochelle um, and, and her commentary is that she manages to explain things in a way that they would make sense to someone not familiar with the sport without dumbing it down so much that it feels irrelevant to someone who does know the sport, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 My favourite bits are the bits where she's like laughing at herself about, yeah, I I once, you know, I, I this this hill, yes, how does it feel? It feels like, you know, like just, just those funny things. And well, that ties into my favourite plug because we were watching the race and there was one distinct moment where Rochelle was fishing around for, for a polite way to, to describe a rider um, for not being um, particularly smart in their tactical decision making, uh, which caused me to laugh. And we had quite a, a fun little back and forth on Twitter about that um, to, you know, the best possible euphemism for um, for non-tactically astute riders. Yes, so. and, and something where she was saying some rider wasn't very technically adept or something. Oh, yeah, she, she quite likes she quite likes getting out the head because then she doesn't <laughs> worry about what's going to happen in the corners. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and so... We, we had a lot of fun um, with that, and including um, some insights from former pro rider turned pro commentator herself, Kate Bates. Um, so she had she had some some corkers that sort of came from both sides. Uh, I like I like Kate saying, "I hope no one ever gets their hands on my little black book of writers." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it was important that she clarified that it was the Black Book of Rider descriptions, not the other Black Book. So, mm. anyway, I'm just <laughs> that. um, that's one of those things. If we were still editing, I'd say, Dan, for fuck's sake, take that out. Oh, it's all right. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, she so um, the Gorda, it's as I say, it's a long race and it's it's hard. It's got this brilliant course. It's I, I actually went through on Podium Cafe last week and wrote like a little thumbnail sketch of how it's been won every year um, with video because like, you know, there's some years where when Annemiek van Vlerten won it in 2011, for example, um, it, if you looked at the results, it looks like it's a bunch sprint because everyone came in together. But actually, Annemiek and Nicole Cook and I can't remember who else were out in, a, in an escape group of about seven or eight. And they were literally just caught by on the peloton by the peloton like they've been you know they've been this this amazing thing where this escape group's out there the peloton's chasing 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 and the 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 gap is ticking down at the same time the kilometers are ticking down and the chase group caught them literally as i think it's anamik nicole cook the other rider started their sprint oh wow so face Anamique wins mm, Nichols, mm. Uh, you know Anamique wins this trio's in the top three Ina Yoko Teutenberg comes fourth from the from the amazing um, from the amazing uh, HTC sprint sprint train and if you look at this on paper you're going yeah yeah a bunch of sprints oh that's interesting Anamique out sprinted Kirsten and Mariana and and Ina and and but when you know that that was just ah you know, and it's a race that's been won in all sorts of every, literally everything from a um, from a bunch sprint to a to a you know to a solo win to 
all sorts of attacking. It's really exciting. It can be, you know, it's been won mm, by all mm. sorts of riders and it's completely unpredictable. And I love that. It, it, it's genuinely one of my favorite races of the year because, because it, because it's not, there's no script. Yeah, yeah. And this year I was really impressed that they managed to get a solo bunch breakaway sprint win. So <laughs> so the, the race starts off and, and the funniest thing was, bear in mind it's live on Swedish television as well, which, you know, for our Swedish friends, just just luxury, you know, being, being able to like sit back with your you know, large TV and your, your bottle of Swedish beer or on the, on the rollers or whatever, however you watch your races, just amazing. So... They start off and um and, and every single Swedish rider it felt like attacked in the first <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why they would want to to put on a show in their home race. I, I don't understand no. that at all. Yeah. No, no, exactly. It was great. I really liked it. And and it's and it's just I mean, God, you, you you've got to do it, haven't you? Yeah. I mean how it. you've got to do it and so Malin Ritland from the uh from the Swedish national team a 37 year old rider um got got away and she was joined by Vera Kulidud who it turns out is tall <laughs> 183 centimeters officially but um but believe me holy fuck if the commentary wanted to repeat one fact all day long yes there was one fact <laughs> <laughs> that she was tall and Dutch people are tall and she's tall. Um, bless. Um, so, but, but it is very interesting because Vera Kuaduda is the kind of rider, what we haven't had win from this race. We've had, for example, t- a pair of riders going with 50K to go and winning. Yeah. Yeah. And, but we haven't had someone attack from the first lap. Yeah, and, and stay out basically all day. And, and yeah. it did look for the, for the first couple of laps it did look like, actually, this might be the year that that changes. Yeah, because... it was a little confusing, too. I mean, more than one person was, was saying to me, um, um, I don't understand, this looks like a men's race. But it, I think I think part of the thing, now, now again, this, I'm sorry if I'm being glass half empty, and this, it, it was a really great, it was, it, it was interesting because the host broadcast SVT haven't got that much experience of running um running running races the first time they did really really well for the first time I'm not dissing it but one of the things that could be improved in the future was it did seem like they only had one motorbike on the road and they did tend to focus on the people at the front rather than focus on the chase but you know that's stuff you can learn basically um, and so behind them, so while people are saying this is like a men's race, actually behind them, the chase was very, very interesting because you ended up with like, you know, groups of six riders going and single riders going and getting caught. And, you know, this this race where, because once they said, I think Rochelle was saying, you know, once once Vera got up to two minutes, she was like, yeah, I reckon all the DSs will say, let anything go until it gets a two minute break and then pull it back in. Yeah, And you yeah. could see them suddenly try. But they couldn't, and the break lead, the lead actually got to three, um, to over three minutes, with some very interesting chasing politics and tactics and attempts, you know, going on. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and um, and just different different combinations of, of teams trying to to do things to to either. Um, bring it back or if that wasn't going to work you know partway through it started to switch to okay we've got to get someone across 
Yeah, yeah, because what has so so there's a first attack, and I think it was um, and Michael Polspol was everywhere in this race, and I think it's Michael Polspol and Chantal Black made a really good attempt, but then the attempt that happened there was one of the Russian riders who I can't remember her name if it was Chulkova, I think it was Chulkova. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, attack was was out by herself for quite a long time, and then she was chased by a group of mm, uh, six or seven riders, yeah. which were. Which in Michael Polspol again, which had every team, every big team in it, except for High Tech, who basically spent sent their Scandinavian Scandinavian iteration, and except for Orica AIS. Mm. And this is another thing of what I love about cycling because with four and a half laps to go, they um, this group of so they catch Chulkova who's out there and she's got a teammate um, I think it's Berchenkova of Rosvelo in there you've got some really interesting riders in that group um, you've got uh, you know from, you know, you've got reps from like everyone Wiggle, yeah you've got Amelia Fulling from Wiggle you've got yeah. um, uh, oh who was it from Specialised uh, I can't remember I want to say Lisa Brunauer but I'm pro- no Carmen Small yeah, um, yeah. you've got serious riders who could win there yep. so when they caught at four and a half laps to go Kuaduda and Ritland that suddenly changes the race and poor Orica because because you know teams would be completely happy for that break of four and a half laps to go you know for that break to go everyone's got a representative in there if you're specialized you're laughing because Carmen's Carmen Small's one of the best riders up there you know yeah, if you're yeah. they've, they've got they've got I can't remember which um was it Van der Breggen I think it, it, no, I think it was. You know, you've got some seriously good riders up there, or Lucinda Brand or someone like that. You know, you've got like, yeah. so suddenly, poor Orica are having to do literally all the chasing. And and they were tearing themselves inside now, out. Now, this is Orica. They go in there with Emma Johansson. I mean, Emma is very open about the fact that she doesn't care. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not chasing the overall title. I just want to win races. But... This race had, if Lizzie Armitstead finished ahead of Emma Johansson in the top 10, basically Lizzie would win the overall World Cup without, um, you know... Yeah, uh, without needing to do any further... Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And any further racing. So there's that going on, for you know, and, and Bowles Dolmans, they've got Remy Casper up the road. She's a great rider. And also, Emma, she's Swedish. This is the Swedish round of the World Cup. She's been on the podium three times in since it's run in 2006. You know, the first time it was ever raced, it was won by um, Suzanne Lukskog. I can't say her name. Lukskog, I can't say her name. You know, amazing, amazing Swedish superstar. Not been run, won by a Swede since. This is one that Emma wants to win. Yeah? yeah. So her team, Orica, are like, they're just working and working and working to pull this break back. And, you know, there's pretty much no one there who can help them. Um, yeah, you've got some really strong riders attacking. So this break gets pulled back after about two laps, around about two, two and a half laps to go. And then all hell breaks loose. Oh. It was just non-stop attacking. Really, really classic women's cycling. Just very, very interesting. Oh, one after the other, just, you know, punch, counter-punch, counter-counter-punch, re-punch. Uh, attack attack it was awesome though and and also at this point i have to note that the race conditions have got even worse we'd gone from steady rain to heavy rain to torrential downpour yeah i think there had been a time in the middle where people go oh, look like it's, it's oh yeah no there was one moment where the sun came out and it was really weird because <laughs> the yeah. roads all turned to silver and it was hard to see things and i it was very confusing for that half a lap 
So. Yeah, yeah, mirrors. But but actually, what 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 had happened was the reason it had stopped raining was because the rain gods were just marshalling their forces, picking it up, so they could just throw it at people even yeah. harder. It was um yeah, I don't think Thor was happy that day, um, or basically Thor just knows that riders like Emma Johansson and Mariana Voss and and Lizzie Armit said like racing in the rain. Yeah, yeah, possible. So attacking, ludicrous attacking. And I was particularly impressed by, um, and there were so many amazing attacks, but I was particularly impressed by Rabobank because they were just going crazy. Like they literally, as soon as one person was caught, another one would try it. And then you had like the, the chasing down. Lizzie Armitstead did a ton of chasing down. And, and we'd wondered, I, I, I thought that Marianne, I thought Marianne Voss is probably going to be riding for her teammates in this one yeah. um, because why not? She enjoys it. And there's so many of her teammates who could win. And Anna van der Breggen's the highest, sitting the highest in, in overall World Cups. And, you know, and, and, you know, Marianne, loves, she said that right from the start of the season, she really enjoys that. And, and that's what she wants to do. So you've got Marianne chasing down breaks, uh, chasing down attacks and attacking herself. And Lisa Brunauer was amazing for specialising, chasing down rakes and attacking. Lizzie Armitstead chasing things down and making the chases just look easy. Lizzie I just know. Looked... Well, that was the thing that really jumped out at me was, you know, we've talked before about how Lizzie can look incredibly comfortable on the bike and it always sort of makes you go, oh, watch out for that. And she was making those chases, her chases look, you know, like like a, a cat ready to pounce on dinner. You know, she was, she was just, yeah, it, it was so... It's... So natural, so easy. But no one could get away properly, and it's like you know you're basically dropping riders. It's it's dropping and dropping riders everywhere, and this is and this is the problem for poor Emma Johansson is that because she's having to do her chasing all by herself because her teammates are just shelled because they've mm. been you know they, they, yeah because they, they turned themselves inside out working working to close that initial gap. Yeah. yeah, and um and then and then in the final lap just before the final climb. Chantal Black, who had made this great move and just just charged charged ahead, um, two chases. I think it's was it Roxana Kleisman and I can't remember. Yes, it was. Michael Foxpole probably again, like you know, chasing after her, or, or maybe 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 Charlotte Becker. And anyway, she's like they're caught on the climb. She's caught at the top of the climb. And they just head in for the last thing and everyone was just going for it, like like literally, literally going for it and going for it and going for it. And again, lots and lots of Rabo attacks. And then in the final five kilometres, um, I think maybe about three to go, uh, final five, four to go, something like that, Roxanne Kanateman attacks again, yeah. again. So it's Rabo again. Again. And, and only Black and Amy Peters from Liv Shimano can actually follow her this time. And they actually get away. And they're not getting away by working nicely together. They're getting away because, you know, Black attacks at three kilometres to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like screaming, screaming through this cornery, towny, final, final run-in. Like just, 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 just blasting through it. And you can see how close the Peloton are. You know, they've got these amazing, you know, shots of the long roads where they're, you can see how close the Peloton are and they're just not slowing down and the Peloton's not slowing down. It's just so exciting. Would they make it to the end? Just, oh, and they, and the race has, it has a very tight corner at 350 metres to go. Yeah. And then you just run down into this long sprint and they kind of, and Amy Peters starts her sprint first. And poor Roxanne Knaterman, was very nearly dropped. I think she'd started this last attack um, and given everything and just yeah. all she could do was hang on. So Peter starts her sprint. Black 
comes past her and wins like her first ever solo World Cup win. She's been in the team time trial winning team, two World Cups in three days. Amazing. It's the fairy tale. It's the fairy tale win, isn't it? It's it's the, you know, and and that's the thing. After after the team time trial, we were all agog and going, oh, that's fantastic for for Specialized Lululemon because it gives them a real boost in their their hunt for sponsors and blah blah blah. And then they back it up with the win in the road race. Uh, phenomenal and such a, as you said right at the outset, non scripted win or or previously unscripted. Yeah, you know. and I mean, what I loved about this race is, is, is if any rider from Rabo or Balls or, or, or if Emily Hansen had won after that race, I'd have been happy, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There were a ton of worthy winners, and someone was saying, oh, well, Rabo made a mistake because, you know, when Roxana Knaisman went, she didn't really have the energy to go. They should have probably just worked for it to be a bunch sprint, and Mariana Voss would have won. They should have put all their, their eggs in a Voss-shaped basket. And it's like... Uh, it's like, yeah, technically, yeah, you're right. However, what that's not what the team's goal is. The team's goal is for every rider to have a chance to win. Well, you not, know, not I, just that, not just that, but that's also what you, you know, you, you, you get to call that Monday morning DSing, really, because with the benefit of hindsight and the way that it did actually play out, you can say that. But bearing in mind, yet again, that we're, we're on the road, we're in the thick of the race, we're at the point where riders are making snap decisions, you know, as it happens around them, there's no time to to check in with each other and go, "How are you feeling? Should you should you attack or not?" It's it's yeah, you know this is what we do. Yeah, and I think I think it was basically Roxana and, and it was Roxana seeing this final last last ditch chance to go, mm. and she just went and 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 you know and you know she could have thought she could have assumed that that would have been caught as well, and she's just made other people chase. Do you know what I mean? She could have yeah, gone away. Yeah. I, I much prefer this attacking, crazy style of riding. And I loved, you know, we talked about this at the start of the season because, you know, Rabobank, for example, for the first four World Cups, rode, and, for, you know, for the first races, rode like this continually, lots of attacking, and then it didn't pay off until Flesh were on. Yeah, yeah. And Specialised Lululemon have been, you know, Christy was saying it's quite hard to win when you don't have a, a, a pure sprinter in your team. And you know, she said that they had quite a you know quite a hard start to the year because you know their goal was to win World Cups and they didn't win a what they didn't you know they didn't win a World Cup but oh my God they kept trying yeah yeah and that's what I want you know I, well I want... and, and that's that's kind of my point too is that in order to to make that kind of a change as as was suggested to you you actually have to change the entire culture and philosophy of a team. And yeah. and I don't think that's an overall healthy change. I don't think, um, particularly in women's cycling, I don't think you win races by teaching your team members to question their decisions. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and actually, and actually, you know, Roxanne, Roxanne getting on the podium of the World Cup is her best res You know, I'd say it's mm. her best result. And she was, you know, she's. It's, it's very funny because when you've got a group which is, you know, Chantal Black, Roxanne. Nateman, Amy Peters. Of course, um, Roxanne Nateman's father was Harry Nateman, who who was a fantastic cyclist who died when Roxanne was a teenager. Um, and 
and she's she's the you know second generation um he's a track world you know track world champion very very charismatic rider um and amy peter's dad is peter peters who's also a you know sort of france rider world cup you know track rider so it's kind of interesting with these two women these two young dutch women who are like second generation dutch and we you know we, we're not surprised and that's nice isn't it like you know we all know that there's second generation riders on in the men's peloton you know um, yeah, Nico yeah. schlecks of third generation to the france riders but it's lovely that you know this is so ne- so netherlandsish isn't it so dutch that yeah you have a daughter what do you do you train her to be a bike rider exactly exactly so you know but yeah just beautiful podium last year amy peters had come third this year she came second you know again her best result in a world cup um yeah i'm just it was just a lovely 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 podium it was a a great race and a great podium and i'm not gonna fault a second of it it was amazing from from being able to see the full course and um and enjoy all of that to the the results at the end it was just brilliant love the race really looking forward to next year yeah and if you missed it you can see there's two things two ways you can see it and a third one coming this week actually because there's the eight minute highlights that the uci put out there's the entire uci coverage archive and also the swedish tv coverage actually archived online and they're going to have a 20 minutes you know a 20 minute clip a 20 minute Uh, highlights uh, package yeah yeah. So you know, I I really recommend it if you you know if you don't want to watch say two hours of racing, just tune into the last half hour or something. It's really yeah, exciting. Yeah. Last half hour will stand you in good stead. If you want a little bit more than that, keep an eye out for the the full half hour highlights package when that's released. Um, but yeah, it's it's fantastic and it was a lot of fun and well worth well worth the watch. Um, yeah. brilliant stuff. Yeah. <sighs> so oh. and at the same time and at the same time it was the last round of the mountain bike world cup world um world cup over in maribel in france i mean that's just you know we you you know me you know i love red bull's coverage um very 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 hard for them actually because um the the in the in the eliminator of course anna fleur had had her terrible crash and mm. you know, some riders were riding the finals with you know be strong anna fleur signs and stuff um well her family had um had had sort of requested that they continue with the event yeah her team had yeah her they, team they, had yeah sorry yeah, yeah. in the cross country because she was due to ride the cross country they actually spoke to her team focus that, that and said look should we carry on the world cup world cup and i think the team had talked to her family too and and they all said look keep it going it's what she would have wanted and ride as a tribute to her and you know every rider rode with a flower you know mm. a flower, mm. flower on their number and you know they had a minute yeah. each each of the races the men's and women's cross country started with a minute silence i mean as had the gorda road race and yeah um yeah so and and when um i'm doing this out of chrono- chronological order but um Yolanda Neff, who won the women's cross country race solo and actually, you know, and won the season, you know, won the season long title. Yeah. You know, Yolanda has been um, Anna Fleur's teammate in training camps last mm-hmm. year, and so she, you know, she won, dedicating it, dedicating the race to Anna Fleur. And and it's hard when you watch them line up; it's very difficult because normally you're lining up on the start line, the camera comes to you, and you're grinning and happy, and you're a bit nervous. And yeah, yeah, you could see them, you could see the emotion, you could see how emotional riders were about it. You know that 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 thing of having to, of remembering a friend, or even if it's not someone you know, someone who you know could have been you. You know what I mean? Mm, and mm. 
and at the same time but then going to race their hearts out and so I was very happy for you you know her Anna Fleur's focused teammate Helen Grobert won the German rider won the um won the under 23 race oh that's nice yeah yeah, yeah and, and there are some pictures of them you know the team just like just just in this great big huddle of hugging and crying and congratulating and it's just yeah you know it's family it is family and and that's not yeah mm. Mm. so um Yolanda Neff won the uh so she won the, won the cross country and in doing so secured the overall yes oh yes and Gunnery to Darla Flesher Flesher won that came second and Pauline Fran Prevot in third place and I've said this before um world champs are in a couple of weeks time you know what I'd like to see in world champs is Yolanda Neff and Pauline Fran Prevot going head to head against each other like yeah. they did in the European under 23s they're both under 23 they're not allowed to race the elite race awesome maybe maybe we can just um get up Red Bull to do an unofficial um helmet cam run from both of them and we can just see that side by side and yeah. um yeah that that'd do so, me I'd, I'd you so, know when you're coming, if you want some really good um, under twenty, um, some really good cross country mountain biking, um, I'd actually recommend tuning into the under twenty three worlds because you know it's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. Mm. Um, downhill. Downhill. Well, this was um, this was uh, pretty much the same sort of story. Um, not not um, Yolanda, of course, but but all wrapped up by the the winner this weekend. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, no, because. So, so with the um, with the eliminator, Catherine Sternerman had won it. Whatever with the cross country, you know, I think Yolanda would have had to have some terrible disaster to not not to win it. But in the downhill, it was all coming down to the final race. Seriously, because um, at the top of the points table was British rider Manon Carpenter. Just behind her, just behind her was um, Emmeline Rago from Lapio Gravity Republic. And basically, if um, Emmeline could win. Then she if, won. If Emily, if, if Emily, if Emily won, she could win the whole series. Right, right. And in okay. third place, still in touching distance, was Rachel Atherton, world current world champion. So if 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 Rachel won, and for example, Manon and Emmeline had punctures and stuff, yeah, Rachel could also which, win. The which can happen, you know. It's mm. yeah, yeah. Okay, so that makes it makes it pretty tense then. So how did how yeah. did it actually play out on the on the day? Um, What's interesting about the Maribel course, right, before I tell you how it played out, is that this was, apart from, I think, Port, Fort William, the, the riders have been a bit complaining about the courses this year, yeah? Like like saying that there's, you know, they're, they're not really proper mountain bike courses. You know, you've got somewhere like Fort Bill, which is, you know, iconic and stuff. But, you know, there's lots of, you know, lots of long pedalling sections and stuff like that. <laughs> and, yeah, well, and, you know, downhill isn't about pedalling because that's the whole point yeah. And, but Maribel, everyone was just ecstatic about this course. It was a beautiful course. Like, I mean, all of all of the courses are beautiful. You're mountain biking in mountains. It's like, you know, of, of course it's beautiful. But very, very steep, very, 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 basically just mountain, basically just charging down a ridiculously steep mountain. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, was the name of the game. And, um, yeah, and... And it was, uh, and Rach Atherton had uh, qualified fastest um, and was basically, apparently she qualified fastest, swearing loudly to herself because by her, <laughs> she'd had a really shitty run. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, you know, that that's kind of the that's that's a, a form of self motivation that I can relate to. So yeah, you know what? That's that's the helmet cam thing. A video I want is you know, rate fuck bugger fuck. Yeah. Shit, fuck. <laughs> and, um, but Emily and Rigaud had come third in qualifying, having crashed. Oh really? Yeah, so it was so, really... All right, well, I mean, uh, obviously it can't have been a terrible crash, but what happened? I don't know. She just crashed. She just, okay. you know, she just, she just, she just crashed. So just like a bit got of a slide out, got back up and kept going kind of thing. Exactly, exactly, right, right. exactly. So, um, so they're coming down and um, Emmeline has this extraordinary blistering time, but she's finishing um, a Manon Carpenter who was starting second, second, second last, or maybe the other way around. Manon had... Um, had had kind of she was actually riding slightly conservatively for her i think yeah was but, i mean holy shit it's got to scare the the fuck out of you if you're man on carpenter and and emmeline puts up the third fastest qualifying time including a crash and you yes. know that if she wins overall she wins overall yes but like, also fuck. if you crash but also if you crash your yeah. your your season goal is fucked but no one could stop Rach. Rach was just Rach has had a really hard time on the way out to Cairns, which was the second round. She got some hideous illness from aeroplane illness, and then riding in the pouring rain in Cairns didn't help. And she's basically had some kind of glandular fever all season. So we've seen it that she's been super super clever, but just hasn't had the power in the last couple of rounds. But oh my god, she had her power back, and she won, and she won gloriously, and it was beautiful and on her facebook there's a helmet cam from her winning run nice. i know i bang on about helmet cam a lot i'm really sorry oh god here we go helmet cam again but this was extra special because it showed her not just not just her own view but it showed her shadow riding along racing alongside her so one of the things that's my interesting thing about helmet cam is that you can almost especially with the amazing suspension that she's got on her gt fury is that you can practically not you know the, the, the jumps are these beautiful gliding moments that you yeah, can't necessarily yeah. tell her jumps in, in, unless you know the courses and but when you can see it with her shadow racing alongside her you could definitely see what that course was like. It's a really lovely piece of footage and I recommend it. And I said on Twitter, I really loved seeing it. And she said, yeah, it's also great for being able to check out your suspension. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Rach won the, Rach won the, won, won the race. Um, uh, uh, Manon won the overall. Emmeline said she was really sad not to win on home soil because she's thinking of retiring next season. What? At the end of the season. No way. I mean, she's won. She's been world champion twice. I just, I mean, she's she's been what she's been well, racing this maybe, year maybe alongside she, studying, finishing maybe, her degree. Maybe she needs to do uh, a Mariana Voss though and mix it up a bit. Do a bit of do a bit of cross or, or yeah, maybe think, maybe do some road. I don't think I don't think after the adrenaline buzz of downhill, I don't think they. Ah. <laughs> oh. And maybe she'll go to something like four cross or something like that or enduro that would be good but yeah um so i hope i hope that's not true please don't go but this is shaping up to be and, and the other thing was that there's a really extraordinary gap between the top you know between the top riders and you know the, and, and you know a tiny seagrave in fifth and then there's you look at it and there looks like there's a really strong gap you know drop off but we did have miriam nicole out injured and also a lot of riders crashing on this course, because that's how you do it in, 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 in downhill. You go hard or go home. And yeah, they, they, yeah. So it's like, it's like, yeah, really good race. And all of that is still archived on Red Bull TV, um, where you can see it or you can see it on Red Bull bike. 
um, if cool. you want to go and have a look. Um, so, yeah. Cool. So, we finished the World Cup. I'm not going to have mountain bike World Cup to talk about until about May or something next oh, year. Oh, well, you know, you'll just have to fill that 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 gap in your life with something else. I mean, you know, if only there was some sort of uh, cycling sport that, that took place in the, the autumn and winter months that um, that involved, you know, interesting courses that that were challenging to people and and you know had people falling off and stuff yeah i don't think i one day i'll make you love cross but well hey <laughs> at, at least i didn't do the running thing you know i know that so, that irritates you so so two other races that happened this week um so i i i I can't even say its name. The Trophée d'Or is happening in France. It started on Saturday. We're five stages in. Today's the sixth stage. It might be the last stage today. I don't know. Um, traditionally, it's been the invisible race. Um, it is slightly better than what it used to be when it didn't have a website two years ago. And But, yeah, it's even there's a little gang of Internet obsessives who even we can't find information out about this race. It's interesting, isn't it? This is something that we talked about a little bit um, when we were chatting last week and and, um, and have carried on a bit since. Even in the the brief sort of two and a half years or so that we've been doing this podcast now, I find it really interesting that, that um, and, and I guess this sort of goes hand in hand with that, you know, as we were discussing earlier, that, that kind of need to appreciate the the achievements but also recognize how how much further there is to go um one of the things that i've sort of realized is how far we've come in terms of our expectation of what a race should just provide out of the box you know like uh, we we get way more video from races than we used to which is fantastic but yes we still want a lot more and yes also not every race is going to have the resources to be able to create let alone provide that video um, that's fine, but here we are in 2014, and you know I think it's particularly for any sort of a UCI ranked race, basically an essential that you have a website that is updated daily with information about your race. I don't think yeah. that's too much to ask. No, and it's and actually I think you know I don't think that we should have to be internet detectives anymore. You know, yeah, like 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 I. I I've got to say, my my personal approach. I mean, this last this last month, I, I know I keep banging on about this. You know, four four live races in no five live races in six weeks. Jesus, it's amazing mm. that I can watch on my TV and or you know on YouTube is changing my approach to what I think is which races I'm going to follow. And you know, I know people. Oh well, yeah, but internet isn't the most important thing. Blah 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 you know maybe the right the races have other priorities but actually yes it is you know social media is important and if races want to be international level international ranked and, and teams want to be international ranked they should make it out they should they should recognize that they have to reach the international audience you know like like it's just not it's just not good enough i'm, I'm Absol bored of, absolutely i'm but, bored of invisible races but it's not even about necessarily i mean i i take your point i agree with your point about international audiences but it's not even about that it, it's it's a it, simple fact of the matter is that uh, a central website for a race is actually the easiest way to get any information out to anyone in Including yeah. to teams, including to writers, including to the press, including to fans. 
but but to anyone is to to have a web and you know and I'm not saying it's not like I'm saying people have to build custom websites and spend tons of money on them or anything. Just get a fucking free WordPress blog. I don't care if it's you know trophydoor.wordpress.com. That's fine, but just give me somewhere to actually find out who won and what the rankings are. Like yeah, just the simplest I mean, of, of of things. But also, I think some people who are objecting to me objecting, if you know what I mean. <laughs> It's it's like actually I I don't I disagree with people's fundamental point that actually you know that basically they you know it, it it's okay for it to be hard you know what I mean I don't think it is okay for it to be hard if if I who have had years a couple of years now well God Christ quite a lot of years what I'm you know experience of of chasing this down and looking up races if I find it hard. You know, and riders are finding it hard to find out what their teammates are doing and what's going on. Then, then, then I don't care what their local priorities are. Yeah, they shouldn't be an UCI level race if exactly. they're not prepared to. Exactly, to, to, to and, and to me, that's the key key distinction: is that that you rely on your the administrative body of the sport who assigns these rankings uh, to actually say you must have this level of an online presence. Um, and achieve these things in order to maintain. I mean, we we do it for everything else. You know, you've got to you've got to have commissaires there. You've got to have road closures. You've got to have a safety well, plan. Well, bear in bear in mind, bear in mind, we don't necessarily. I mean, look at the Toscana last year. Yeah. Or, well, okay. I mean, enforcement's a separate the, the, the issue, but but well, Salvador this year. Yeah, yeah. I take your point. Enforcement's different, but at least you know a, a fucking set of guidelines to to adhere to. Um, you know, uh, like. It's not hard to, and, and all these are, are free services. You know, set up a Twitter account, set, get a free blog, and and on a six, you know, it's a six stage race, six sets of list of of winners and 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 rankings. Like you've got the information there. Fucking take a yeah. take a photo of it on your smartphone and post it on your fucking Facebook page. I don't care, but put it somewhere and tell me where I can find it. Yeah, 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 and and I think I mean you know I I think I think it is I think this is going to be something that's changing as well. We are in a massive transitional time at the moment. Like like I say, like, we're not safe. It's very hard to find sponsors, and it's harder for races to find sponsors too. But I think you yeah, know, but, we, but this is the ask... other side of the Project X thing, isn't it? That that part of what sponsors need because it's it's tough out there for them too. You know, the world is still reeling um, from a financial point of view uh, from various recessions to different. Degrees degrees in different countries and and so one of the things that sponsors want is a clear indication of of what sort of impact their sponsorship is having and 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 again uh, a fucking even a free wordpress blog comes with a a stats page that's at least a set of numbers that you can point to and go well this many people give a shit yeah exactly exactly so yeah so but in contrast so Trophy Door, Roxanne Fournier uh, won the sprint for Futuroscope in stage one. And Sophie Dijk, Dijk from Belgium, Belgium national team, won the ITT. But on um, stage two, that was a two-stage day that afternoon. Barbara Gorishi, she's having a fantastic year for Ali Cipollini, won the sprints. Stage four, Elisa Longo Borghini, riding for Top Girls, Fasa Bortolo as a guest rider, um, was out with Elena Bellato and out sprinted her for the win. Um, she's now leading the GC. And Pascal Joland of France won the sprint on stage five. Wow. Stage six is there. I predict Elisa will win the race. 
but yeah i think that's um, a safe prediction yeah but on the on the other side of the world though and the other side of coverage well this was the now, thing that was hard for me to not throw in the face of that discussion because here we are in little old australia with a national road series race um that that had quite excellent coverage i think yeah, down in Australia, it's the San Miranda, San Miranda Tour of the King Valley. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, as I was saying to, to Sarah before we started recording, you know I'm always going to love a race that's spotted by not one but two wineries. So... And, and, and the, co- the footage was making a very big deal about being in the land of an Australian hero. <laughs> yes. What, what, what kind of man is an Australian national hero, Daniel? <sighs> Just a man who doesn't put up with shit from corrupt British lawmakers. Yeah, who are we talking about? <sighs> Just a good old Aussie bloke. Yeah, basically massive. Basically in Australia they celebrate bank robbers and criminals as their national heroes. Oh, Woo-hoo! come on, come on. Stealing money from Englishmen isn't a crime. <laughs> it's, called, steal- it's called justice. He wasn't stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, Daniel. Yes, he was. His family was very poor. (laughs) Before they started bank robbing. Well, actually, to be fair, it's not like it was a long career. The guy was dead by the time he was 27. So, So, uh, yeah, um, um, I've forgotten his name. Ned Kelly. Yes. Yes, I was trying to Good old Ned Kelly. He is is pretty much literally the most famous man in, like, recent Australian history. You know, Ned Kelly's... I'm not even sure what the uh, comparison. He would be like our broad equivalent to King Arthur. Would be Ned Kelly. No, no. Yeah, no. yeah. He's our folk hero. He's he's a touchstone. Yeah, King Arthur, who you know fought, who, who basically fought to protect the fought to protect. I mean, Park actually doesn't exist. Fought to protect the poor. Ned Kelly, who fought, who fought, who fought to... against the corrupt law agency um, run by run run by Brits who ran him and his family off the land that they owned for their own personal gain, um, who was tragically killed while he was young, and whose last words before the hangman sent him on his way were, "Such is life." Anyway, hero um, by any measure. Hero. So this is the, so basically we're riding in a race. We're riding in Ned Kelly land. Full of vineyards. Dan, I think, would be... The only thing that could make make Dan happier was if there were large motorbikes. Well, even those are unnecessary when there is a women's peloton. So, you know, that's that's fine. um, I have said this before, but the Cycling Australia coverage of the National Road Series is superb. They basically send a film crew out down there. And um, what's his name? Scott McGrory? Yep. Um, a commentator down there, down to these races, and they do a really good combination of tourism, tourism promo. Yeah, well, um, I mean, to be fair, their their interpretation of cycling coverage has been a little bit touched by the um, the Tour de France. So it is half. Oh, look, there's a castle. Except we don't actually have castles. So it's oh, look, there's a vineyard. Go there and spend money. Um, yeah, and and then That's oh, good. and there's a bike race too. But the other thing that they do, which I really love, and I I kind of wish more highlights videos did this, is they kind of start it off by getting the riders describing what the stage is going to be like and what's happened so far. And then various riders telling you the story of the stage. Yeah, I really like that too, because it's sort of like the inside gossip of of the thing, isn't it, you know? 
Yeah, and and they do it like as the race is progressing. So they'll show some race footage and they'll cut to someone and go, yeah, our team plan was this, and I thought I'd give it a go, and I'm like amazed that it worked, but it was really hard out there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, they yeah it was it was the worst best mistake I've ever made because then I had a solo 400 kilometer breakaway to a win, but you know. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, you know, or they'll kind of cut, then cut to the other woman who was out in a break with her and go, yeah, she was super strong. So you know, you've got like so you get a lot of it's a very clever way to do it because you've you've got the rider the, the race told you know and this is how i wish all yeah it, it's, it's kind all of like highlights were done yeah it, it's like a in their own words kind of thing but it but it's it's timed so that the the story unfolds um as it as it did so it's great yeah, yeah. um this race the race so it's lovely lovely so it's a it's a four stage race held over three days um, yes with a time trial on the first day time and, trial um, on the first day and Peloton Cafe, um, the Australian site, had actually um, sent Peter Stewart. Well, Peter Stewart went out there for Peloton Cafe and was um, was basically uh, inter- doing a ton of interviews as well. So alongside yeah. the official coverage, the official Cycling Australia co- coverage, you've also got this great coverage from Peloton Cafe with you know with lots and lots and lots of little interviews with riders and teams. And, and they were like- they were the. F- perfect sort of um keep an eye on the stage race you know like during my day like i i literally could sit down on my lunch break at work and watch two of those interviews and sort of have a a rough idea of of how the race was going and um and it was great actually one of my favorites was um peter's interview with um so the the time trial was the first stage and um that was it's a 20 kilometer roughly uh time trial from the the other winery sponsor del zotto to um to whitfield and um, it was won by Rebecca Wyzak from the Suzuki Brumbies team. Um, and and Peter's interview for Peloton Cafe with her, I, I found particularly hilarious because um, R- Rebecca was basically saying, yeah, I thought I was doing all right riding into the headwind on the way out. And then I turned around to come back and realized that was the headwind. <laughs> Uh, but she won. She won that stage by a minute sixteen over Ashley and Kudinov, who was riding for Specialized Securator, um, and Ruth Corset riding for the Holden Women's Team. Um, and Ruth's previously won this this tour, um, so um, that that sort of set her up for the uh, the rest of the race. Yeah, and um, Beck Beck Wyzak won stage two and stage three, and stage four won by Crystal Wemis. Well, yep. Weems. Yeah. Sorry. And um, Beck, Beck Wyzak unsurprisingly won the whole stage. Ashley second, Ruth Corset third. So lovely, lovely little race. I really recommend if you've got like half an hour to spare, just watch all of the videos of it because and then you can just laugh, laugh and laugh and love it and enjoy it. And yeah, think of think of Dan in vineyards. <laughs> in, in heaven, my version of heaven. Just, just in vineyards, drinking wine, watching bike races. Yeah. Um, tons of other things. Tons of other things. We're not going to get through everything on my list, I don't think. But if you no. go to our blog, prowomenscycling.com, we'll have links to all sorts of things, uh, all sorts of all sorts of interesting stuff. I really liked Anna Mir's shaving her head for charity. Oh, that was so cool, wasn't it? 
Raising over six hundred grand. She looks beautiful with a shaved head too. I, I, I know. It's one of those ones I feel a little bit odd saying that because I kind of, you know, you get accused of a bit of fetishization. And I will admit that Sigourney Weaver in Aliens 3 was a formative experience of my teenage youth. Um, but but she does. Like, a shaved head looks really good on Animeers. Yeah, um, but yeah, lovely that she did it. Um, typical Anna. Um, other things to look out for um, in British teen news. We've told you before that Matrix Vulpine are planning to step up to UCI yeah. level next year, and they've announced a partnership with another British team. Um, oh, good God! I can never get their name right. Epic Scott. Scott Epic, I'm so sorry, I'm rubbish, um, who are going to basically be like their development team. And they say they're going to give chances for them to you know, send riders to European races and stuff. And if you are around in London on the 6th of September, you too can ride with Matrix, Matrix team. Um, they've got a lovely uh, you know, free ride with them. Go and talk to them. Um, speaking of talking to riders, we're going to do an interview with her to talk about this more in more detail. But our friend Amber Pierce has launched the Network for Advancing Athletes. And this is this is a project that, um, I, as Sarah says, we'll get into more detail when we speak with Amber. But it's been a couple of years in the making. It's been a real passion project for Amber. Um, and as we've often commented on, particularly you know when you when you come from uh, parts of the world like Australia or the US and you head to Europe to to start racing. Uh, there can be a real adjustment period, but also even long before that, um, as you start to step up as a racer and, and, and those sorts of things, there's just a lot that you can learn from hanging around other riders who have experiences that you haven't yet had. Yeah. And um, Especially especially for the States, it's an Ameri- this is a North American-based project, especially yep. for the States where if you're a good young rider in Britain and Australia – you know, the chances are you can get picked up by British cycling, la la la, there are teams, there's all sorts of ways to do it. But it's quite, it's different, you know, in, in countries where there isn't that, um, mm, that, mm. that uh, infrastructure. Well, yeah, you don't, like, you don't have those sort of, um, those, those institutional programs. And then the programs that do exist, you know, like the, like the college racing teams um, and, and stuff that benefited from, from Title IX, but that, that only works if you go to college. You know, um... and, and America is so big. So, so what Amber set up is a mentoring program, mm. and it's actually not just across cycling; it's across basically the triathlon disciplines. So, cycling, yeah. cycling, running, swimming, and try for young, well, not necessarily young, but female, you know, new female athletes to get mentored by by existing pros. Yeah, and yeah. and they've already got. She's already she's she's launched it this week. She's got a couple of you know right. Um, young young athletes can write writing questions that pros will answer mm-hmm. and there's also like opportunities for one-on-one mentoring for, as well one-on-one it's, mentoring it's... you know and they've got a whole process to balance that out so so if you're uh, if you're a pro an experienced pro um and and are interested in being involved as a mentor you can check it out if you're uh, a young um, athlete who's looking for some advice and guidance, then this is going to be a great resource for you and maybe even somewhere where you can find a mentor. Yeah, and even just reading the yeah. answers to the questions are yeah. interesting to me. So the, um, the the website is called advancingathletes.org um, and they're also yeah. on Twitter as NAA underscore org. Now, um, as, as Sarah mentioned, just the last thing, um, it is set up at the moment as, a, as an American-based thing, but Amber does have ambitions to to expand it internationally and I believe across other sports as well. So, so do keep always, an eye on it. 
like pretty much every woman cyclist ever, um, Amber is not at all renowned for having ambitious goals. <laughs> Amber always has ambitions. Um, <laughs> slightly related, there was a really cute video from um, there's the American mountain biker Leah Davison and her sister Sabra Davison have set up this this program called Little Bellas to get young girls into mountain biking. And there's a really sweet video about it, kind of showing the sorts of things they do and you know basically making mountain biking fun for girls. Cool. And, and it's really lovely. So check out Little Bellas. Um, Tons of other links this week. Uh, Sarah Carrigan, Sarah Carrigan, the American, this American, so sorry, the Australian, oh shit, um, Australian cyclist who won the 2004 well, Olympics. Slightly, talking. slightly better than saying Kiwi. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, Sarah Carrigan talking about about what it felt like ten years on after her win. Um, all sorts of other things, videos links go there's, to our there's website. there's no shortage of things there's there's even a permanent store link where you can buy our stuff so just go to uh pro women's cycling.com uh, thank you very much for listening um, make sure you check this weekend the gp de Plouet will be streamed live on saturday um we don't know exactly how much of it will be streamed live whether it's the whole race or the last hour but check out keep an eye on the uci website for a uci youtube channel because it's going to be streamed live again with rochelle gilmore commentary i'm really looking forward to that thank you and bye bye bye